Hey, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Bobby Jones. My name is Samara Crutchfield. And that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> this, podcast, <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by weeks of non-activity. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, this podcast is called Things We Learned Today, but we haven't learned apparently anything in days or weeks. Well, we haven't reported on what we've learned. <laughs> we haven't shared with you people. You one or two people who listen to this podcast. You person. Person. People. Uh, there's like, there's, there's, seven, there's, <clears throat> there's a couple of people. You listen to it and I listen to it probably. I listen to it in the same way that MC Frontalot listens to his music right. as he mixes and records Yeah. It. And you listen to it because I, not I even, have to remind myself what I said. Right. <clears throat> so it's been... Uh, three, four. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably been a month since we recorded. Wow. Any kind, of, any kind of podcast. That's crappy. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, there have been other things going on. I traveled to Dallas for work, and then we went on vacation to California, and that took up like two weeks. We tried to podcast in California once, but it was just too hard to navigate with like kid bedtimes yeah. and work schedules and blah blah blah. Blah, 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 blah. Well, and and uh, your sister-in-law got sick, or was no, getting right. was getting sick like, that right same night. Left. It was sucked. And she was like sick yeah. for a long time. Ashley, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry <clears throat> that you got sick. It sounded terrible. Yeah. So that was it's no fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we like we set it all up in their house. So we went, when we went to California, we went to visit some family of Samara's and, uh, and you know, they have a two year old son and we were at their house and we set it all up and you know, then they got him to bed, but it was like immediate parental exhaustion after that. Like yeah. everybody was just tired and it was late. I pooped out. It was pretty late. It was like nine o'clock, which isn't that late. Well, in, it depends in like on the, what you're Yeah. <laughs> and like the, like depend like for us, like it's, almost 11 o'clock when we started recording this. So for us, we're kind of night owls. Yeah. But to be fair, this <clears throat> is later than we have. We sort of had a, a personal goal not to record after 10 only to run into that same problem, but we're making an exception tonight because a month has passed. Right. Yeah. Or at least not to start recording um, after the 10 o'clock hour. Okay. So, it's, so if it's 1059, oh, shit, I'm yawning. I'm yawning, jinxing it. Yeah. If it's 1059, it's still the 10 o'clock hour. Well, it's it's 1050 right now. So, you know, we're. Oh, wow. It's even closer. We're well within the That's okay. The I've boundary. had a glass of wine. Um, so anyway, we had a lot going on. Uh, so let's let's talk about some of that. Let, let's, fuck that. Let's not talk about that. What did you learn this week? What did I learn this week? Because um, who cares about travel vlogs? Blah, blah, blah. Video. Like, Been there, done that. Who cares? Like, okay, you know, we went to a Saw couple. Saw the Instagram. Yeah, you went to a couple places. <laughs> we went to a couple places. Who cares? Yeah. Um, what I learned today. What Doesn't I have learned, to be today. What did you learn in the last month? What I learned in the last month. Oh God, I have to remember back that far. You don't have to. I um, I learned that. So I got a haircut today. Yeah. And. I was, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the idea I had. And I just went to, like, Great Clips, and there's this great woman there oh named Christy. Oh, my God, Christy the cat again. <laughs> Let it go. Jeez. Let it go. Anyway. <clears throat> um, and Christy was there, and she gave Pixel a great haircut, which is the original reason we went there. And I had been blowing up my Pinterest board trying to, oh, God, I feel so bougie. 
Um, I was blowing up my Pinterest board looking at haircuts because I was feeling the need for a trim. And I had this bob, you know, months ago, and it's kind of grown out. And now I just was feeling kind of shapeless. And I wanted to do something nice for myself, basically. Hold on. I'm letting this fucking cat in. You keep talking. <laughs> in? You're letting him in? You probably should let him out, like, out of the house. Come on, kitty. Okay. I'm going to let him out of the house. You go ahead and you keep telling your story. Okay. Um, this feels weird to be talking to an empty chair. I could literally say anything and he would never know until playback. Boogers. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I, um, I wanted to do something nice for myself and... And also Saturdays, I think I've talked previously about Saturdays kind of being like an open day of, you know, peacefulness and unscheduled things and happenings. And it turned out that it was our day to go get the CSA. So I went to the CSA and then Pixel, um, I think it was in the morning before we left. I just, Pixel's been growing at her hair, but it's still uneven from when she had it shaved up the side. Yeah. Well, Pixel's been telling me for like months that she wants to like, every time I ask her, do you want a haircut? She says, no, I want to grow it long. Right. Yeah. She's been saying long. So in typical five-year-old fashion, she spun on a dime and I just asked her if she wanted to go to haircut because I was thinking like trim, like just to even it out or whatever. And she starts saying like, oh yeah, I want it like cut to here. And she's showing me like the top of the nape of her neck and she wants bangs like below. And she was very specific about them touching her eyebrows and and so I was like, all right, let's just go. And I, you know, Googled some places and I was just feeling really difficult. So I just went to Great Clips and it was, it was fine. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got there and we didn't have really to wait any. We did this online check-in thing, which is really actually pretty cool. The online check-in thing. I, I approve of that. I, I haven't gotten like a haircut from a haircutting place. No. In but you usually just do like know. shave, grow, shave, grow, shave, grow. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I do. I do occasionally go to there's a like a barbershop downtown here it's just called the barbershop and i go there but like there's not it's like totally like old school like like, the hot towels on your face and stuff yeah they do like the whole thing yeah like hot uh hot like if you are a shaving person they'll do like straight razor hot shave strop yeah strop yeah so the thing anyway love the big leather strap Yeah. yeah the um so I just looked at Great Clips and we I did the online check-in, which basically meant we got to cut in line in front of somebody that just randomly showed up and it sucks because he's like, oh, there's only one person in line. I'll go ahead. And, and then we got there and he was like, oh, there's two people. Just come get me and I'm going to leave. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you should just check in online next time. Anyway, um, so Pixel got this sweet little haircut. It's super adorable, and she's super happy with it. She got a lollipop after, and then I got a $2 off coupon. It was like 15 bucks, including the tip or whatever. And uh, there's a $2 off coupon, and, and I had mentioned to the woman, like, yeah, I've been looking at, like, trying to just get some shape to my hair or whatever. And she's like, well, here's a $2 coupon for, you know, when you're ready to do yours or whatever, you can come back. And we got to the car, and I realized it was 1045. We didn't have any other plans really and I was like let's go home and she's like Pixel didn't really want to go home so I was like well maybe maybe I can just get my haircut here because I've been like I've been doing some research I've asked around for recommendations I got some recommendations for this other place it was like super expensive but probably would have been great fine or whatever and uh I was just like uh, let's just do it like 
it was starting to feel really complicated and I just wanted it to be done. So we went to Great, Bl- Great Clips. I used the $2 coupon right away. We like walked <laughs> right back in. We ended up having like some more people had come in. So we ended up waiting for like 15 minutes or something. And then I sat back in the chair and got the cut. And I was like, she did the layers. She did layers. So I, I basically wanted it to look less like a bob and more like just a layered cut. And so I'm trying to grow it out again. And, uh, and, and, I, and it was just fine. It was great. I, so you're gonna have to explain to me how this relates to what I learned today. Learning something today. Well, yeah. the thing that's funny is I was joking with her about like her being pixel the, or the, the hair lady. stylist. Okay. Yeah, the the stylist person, Christy. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I I'm just trying to grow out my bangs and grow out my hair. I just, you know, I look really cute with bangs. Like I really do. Like I can rock some bangs. I guess. But I realize they're not me. I know you have you're philosophically against bangs, but that's okay. That means your opinion doesn't count. The this I mean, you know, in terms of the cuteness of my bangs, yes. they really are cute. Okay. And um if you were able to set aside your philosophical <laughs> disagreement about like your philosophical disregard of bangs for a moment and you would you could tell that my bangs were cute but anyway i had them i had them really short for a while and i was just growing them out because i realized what i what i am one of the things i realized is yeah i look cute on bang in bangs but they're really not me right. like it's not who i am right now it's not really where i'm at and i was like it's cute i'm like i'm 45 years old i don't like do i, do I really want to be like cute anymore like i don't like well like whatever it's like that's not, not a terrible thing you might but i mean i mean you know so it's like i was joking with her about like oh yeah i'm just growing this out because i've like you know all my life i've been like oh yeah this is really cute and i'm like can i just be sexy i mean you know <laughs> or whatever i don't know it doesn't have to be that but so so you know time for me to get a grown-up haircut and uh and so, you know, we, we chuckled about it or whatever. And I came back and I got to the car and I was just like, oh, this is fun. Let me just take a couple of goofy pictures with the camera, with, you know, with my phone camera. And, we call those selfies. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a selfie. I, I have a moral objection to using that word. Except that you take them all the time. Um, no, I don't actually take them all the time. I do. What's your moral obs- ob- objection? Selfie. It's what that is. You are it's taking a picture of yourself in your cell phone with the front-facing camera. I, I honestly don't know what my discomfort is with that word. I use the word. I use it with other people. I don't know. You don't want to apply it to yourself? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's because you're ageist against millennials. I don't think so. Yeah, you are. Anyway, I you really, were taking... I really pre- don't think so. I mean, I think there's a plenty of other things about pop culture and modern you know, internet society that I absolutely cotton to. Like, I don't know why in this particular moment, I've even used the word taken. I just don't, it's weird. It feels weird to say that I'm taking a selfie, but I wanted to share my haircut. So I took a picture of myself. You took a selfie. selfie. You know what I think it is? I think when I think of selfie, I think of something else. And I think it has to do with duck face and that idea of (laughs) like, you're taking yourself super seriously. All my pictures are goofball. Like it doesn't matter. It's still a selfie. Okay, well that's fine. That I mean, I think I think at the core of the definition of selfie is that it's a just you taking a picture. Yeah, the subject of the photo is the is the taker of the photo. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fine. So I took a selfie, and uh, 
you know, I took a couple of funny pictures or whatever. And I was just like, I just picked one. I was like, oh, I'm smiling. I just wearing my sunglasses. I'm smiling. And it, it kind of, you can see the hair pretty well in the picture. So I was like, hey, got a hers cut. And uh, I was not expecting the response that I got. Yeah. Like people were like, oh, yeah, this looks great. You look great. Gorgeous. Blah, blah, blah. All these things. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and, uh, one person said, adorable. Yeah. <laughs> My friend Amanda says adorable. And then I, I LOL'd her and, uh, I said, thank you, mama. And she said, oh no, I mean, it's totally, it's totally hot and I would totally do you or something like, I don't know exactly, I can't sure. remember exactly what she said, but she was like, you know, back and was like, no, no, it's okay. And then I explained why it was so funny because I had literally been talking with, the hairstylist about this very problem issue it's not really a problem but um and then i got an adorable like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm still adorable <laughs> anyway I, it's funny it's just a funny it's a funny thing but then i did get actually some you know some other um some other people who were like oh no no you look hot it's really great it's very it's you know, it fits you, it suits you or whatever, like the people who are being just really sweet and positive about it. And I just wasn't expecting that kind of, I just thought, thought I'd get, you know, like, oh, this cute or this is nice or whatever. But it was just like tons of people commenting and liking. So maybe I have found my forever cut or at least my for now cut to keep for a while. And I think I can grow that anyway. But what I realized is that I am gorgeously adorable. And I probably will be until I'm a senior citizen. And then I'll just get wrinkled and I'll just be old. Like, I'm going to skip right from adorable to old. I don't think I'm going to get, like, any of the in-between stuff. I think you're already old. Well, you do because you're barely pubescent. Right. Precisely. It's <clears throat> perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I do think of myself as middle-aged, though. I mean, I'm middle-aged. You were in middle school when I was born. Yeah. No, you were... You, yeah. Might have been entering high school. No, no. 13. I'm 13 years older than you. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah, high school is like 15. What? 15. Ninth grade is 15. No, your son is 15. Yeah. And well, he just true. finished 10th. He just finished 10th grade, so 14, I guess. Yeah. 14, 15, 15, 16, 17, 18. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. 14. So finishing junior high, probably. Anyway, you were old. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point you're old yeah i am definitely older than you um but yeah so anyway what i learned today is it's okay to be both sure gorgeous and cute yeah what's the wrong with why okay i mean i guess you probably just explained why well no There's i mean problem with that cute seems so ineffectual what why it's just it's, I don't know, it's not, it isn't demeaning at all, but it does seem diminishing somehow. Like it's, it's a, it's a small thing. And I don't ever, like, I don't take it that way. I don't take yeah, it as a bad no. thing. And I know people don't mean it as a bad thing. So it, this is more of a philosophical, like deeper examination of why as a 45 year old woman, I'm like, cute, really? No, you know what? I, I think, I think I can understand where you're coming from. I think I might even agree with you a little bit in that. Um, I think people use cute in a demeaning way more often than they'll use anything else. 
like any other sort of you positive mean, like adjective. Unintentionally or intentionally? No, intentionally. Like, like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like it's it's very. Um, yeah, nobody has ever said it to me like that. Or if they have, I don't give a shit because they because fuck them anyway. Sure. But um, but the people that I care about and love who do, I mean, and let's be fair, I do have dimples. Okay. So you know there is that. But nobody has ever used it in in a diminishing way. It's more. I think what it means is more of. It's more of like a cuddly, warm thing. And you don't want to be cuddly and warm. You better be cold and prickly. That's my job in this relationship. <laughs> I was gonna say like you, but I was <laughs> not gonna. I'm too warm and fuzzy to go there. Yeah, see, um, you're cute. You're teaching me though. I'm learning from you. There, <laughs> don't there, there, don't do that. There That's are not times a good idea. it's better to be less warm and fuzzy. You know, you got to be able to be both, but I think, but anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't learn from me. That's just, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> oh, anyway. But, but I think it has, maybe it has something to do with, I mean, it is traditionally a word that's used for younger people yeah. or like pets or. Sure. I mean, I did, I was looking back at my blog. I've started blogging again and I was looking back. I didn't and know I, that. Um, well, keep going with your story, but I don't want to derail it real quick. Go okay. Ahead. I was looking back at an older post that I had written and I did refer to Cesar Milan as adorable. And I did add the caveat that I don't normally talk about adults as adorable, but in his case, it really is kind of true. Not even sure who that is. The, the dog whisperer dude. Oh, I mean, there's some stuff has come out about him recently that make me, make me change my assessment a little bit. Um, if it's even true and it's all hearsay so I can't really comment with any kind of authority on that but um, I don't usually refer to adults as adorable but it, but like in his case and apparently in my case because let's face it there's kind of consensus about this <laughs> you you got um, one no oh you got mo- you got more than in that? this comment thread I got one but throughout my oh, okay. adulthood right. it has been a frequent okay it has been a frequent, you know, sure. adjective used when it's in association with me. Reference earlier comment about dimples, but seriously, um, it, it's it's strange. I think the thing about him that was adorable is maybe there is like a there's just a bright shininess about someone that you don't normally see in in. Are you sure maybe it's not it's innocence? Are you maybe sure it's, it's not innocence. context for him? Because he's surrounded by dogs who are generally adorable. Yeah, because it's not the dogs that are adorable. The dogs are kind of shits. Right, but it, well, yeah, I guess in the dog whisperer, yeah. I mean, at the beginning, they're shits. But not not <clears throat> because they're it's their fault. It's because the owners don't know how to train sure. them or whatever. Um, Which is generally the case with pretty much every dog that's ever been labeled as the killer dog. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I think there is something... So, so the idea of innocence is something that I have actually worked to cultivate in my, in my life. It's in terms of my personal philosophy, uh, and retaining innocence as a feature of childhood, but letting it be tempered by our growth and experience without losing. It's like a sense of openness and wonder, openness and brightness and shininess. And, and I think in that respect, I really appreciate that people see that in me, if that's in fact what they see. This is my interpretation. Sure. But if that's what people see in me, is that 
brightness and that shininess that comes with not having lost that sense of openness and wonder, then absolutely I will claim it until the day I die. Like that's fantastic. But it doesn't sound like you were claiming it. Well, I'm also just thinking out, I'm thinking out loud, you know, I don't want that to be all that I am either. I do want the temperance of my experience to speak as well through, through my, myself, like through my being and my presence and my presentation. Yeah. But I don't know. You know, we're just talking as a podcast. Sure. So the thing I learned, um, Oh, boom. Segue. Segways. (laughs) You're done. Uh, Well, you've had your time. 20 minutes. That's enough for women. Oh, no. Hell no. Oh, you're just... See, the thing is, I know you're joking. Yeah, You're just still so terrible. I know. It's awful. It is a terrible You shouldn't even joke like that. Trigger warning. We got to put a trigger warning on this fucking thing now. Um, No, we don't. Anyway, um, it's already an explicit... We already get an explicit tag. That's different. Yeah. Anyway, um, so one of the things that I learned... I think I think I'm learning. Uh, I think it's a, a process. Um, is that if I am to make money? So I'm. I listen to this. I'm listening to this book. It's called the 10x Rule. Um, and it's a sort of self, um, like personal development sort of motivational type book. Like professional context kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. I mean it's it's um it, it's it's built I mean it you know, the guy who wrote it built his career on like training salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a lot of like it, it you know, a lot of the context or a lot of the sort of um goodness of the book oops shit. Um comes in, in terms of sales and and, you know, it was really, it's really popular with some of the, like, multi-level marketing people, um, especially some of the people that we know. It kind of went around our, that circle for a while. Um, so there's some that's like, you know, it, it feels a little bit like, I want to say aggressive. But I'm not sure that's, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. It feels like aggressive. The dude is kind of aggressive in his, because the author also reads the book for the audio that I'm listening to. Aggressive, like different than ambitious, for example. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, like it's, it's kind of in your face. Okay. More, it's more like, you know, shape up or ship out kind of that sort of presentation. Joel Sargent type. Yeah. I mean, sort of something like that, but, um, Something you would hear like some it's like something you would hear on stage at a like a multi-level marketing convention or whatever. Right. It's those kind of like, wait, you can do it. Get off your ass and you got to take massive action, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Which isn't isn't not true. Like that's true. If you want to succeed in in those kind of industries, you got to you got to be willing to like, you know, one of the things he says a lot over and over is you got to be willing to do the things that people the other people are not willing to do. Right. Okay. But one of the things that really um, kind of really hit me in a way that I didn't that didn't hit me while I was listening because I, I listened to to it. Uh, I started listening to it on my uh, my big bike ride on what was that Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, I went on a, a forty mile bike ride. 
So I, I rode all this. There's a, a trail here that's called the Hawthorne Trail. It's a 16-mile one-way. Um, so I rode that and back, and plus I rode to the trailhead. So that's another, you know, four or five miles or whatever each way. So rode about 40 miles and listened to this podcast. So it took me almost four hours total, including like rest times and stuff and rehydrating and getting water and whatnot. It took me about four hours. So I'm not done with the book, but I've gotten a fair chunk through it. Um, but one of the things he talked about in one of the chapters is basically like, like setting your money goals in a way that makes sense, right? So everybody wants to make money um, and, and at least make a living and, and all that stuff. But there are some people who just like want to make a lot of money. The problem is, and we see this often with celebrities and, you know, rich, um, especially people who like win the lottery or like um, athletes who are, they just, they make a shitload of money or whatever. And then they, you know, they end up a couple years later, they're totally broke. It's because they just wanted to make the money, right? They didn't have like a purpose for the money. They didn't have like a direction for the money to go. And I think that was how I was thinking about money for a long time. Um, and like wait, I, which part the getting lots of it or not having a direction for it? Like not having a real direction for it. Like wanting to, wanting to have money, right? Like I want to be rich. <laughs> like I, I, I don't want to ever have to worry about money again. Right. Um, and I want to have like a bunch of it. And there's a couple ways that, you know, there's lots of ways people can do that. Multi-level marketing is one of them. Like lots of people make lots of money there and, and so I, I started in in network marketing and like my goal was just like to make a couple thousand dollars a month or whatever at least and then like just not have to really worry about money. But like there was no like what am I going to do with the money when I get it mm-hmm. thought aside from like save it or invest it or whatever and just to get more money. But like what are you going to do with your money, right? So for him, for, for the guy who wrote the book, one of his like goals that he set, um, is to be the largest donor at his church. Like the, that's, that's one of his goals is to like, and he probably goes to a mega church. He lives in LA. He probably goes to some giant church that has like millionaires going to the church. So he wants to be a bigger donor to them or bigger whatever than they are. Um, because another one of his goals is to make a million dollars a month. Right. So, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know that, like, I don't go to church. That's not, I'm not a religious person. I'm I'm not even a believer, but like that kind of concept really resonates with me in a huge way. Cause I, like I was at the museum today and there is a, there's like a big, you know, the museum has a bunch of donors and a bunch of like underwriters and people that have like given a bunch of money. Like I want my name on that board. Right. I would like my name somewhere near the top of that board. Cool. And like artists in town, I'd love to be a patron of any artist that I know. Like I have a bunch of artist friends who are yeah. who are like always kind of struggling to be able to do just do their art, not just live, but like to just do their art, right. whether it be theater or music or whatever it is. Right. So they struggle to do that. And like, I'm like man, it, it's always like I always I want to be able to enable people to do stuff that they love to do, especially when it's not a thing that's like super lucrative. Um, 
Right, but it's because it's undervalued socially, undervalued in at least. Yeah. So, like, you know, I know I know a bunch of video creators, um, and they've got Patreon pages, and they they make they they can they can get by, but like, there's some people out there that are making really amazing stuff that don't have the funding because the stuff that they're making is expensive stuff to make. For example, there's a there's a group of you know Craig. <clears throat> makes a show, Craig Wheezy Waiter makes a show with a bunch of people he knows in Chicago called The Good Stuff. And it's a show that is not cheap to produce because they go out and they get like, they go out to do interviews and, you know, they've got a production staff of four or five people, um, you know, and so it's not a cheap show to produce. So they just did a Kickstarter and thank God they, they got their Kickstarter. So they're going to do a summer season and Nice. You know, they've got some, they've got their Patreon page up. So like, hopefully that show will be able to continue for many more years. But like, I was thinking, man, if, you know, if I was wealthy, that's a show that I would just be like, what's your budget for the next year? Like producer, be a producer. Yeah. Thing. Like what's your budget for the next year? Oh, it's $50,000. Okay. Well, here's $50,000. Like everything else is icing on that cake. Right. All your other patrons are icing on the cake. I just want to fund your show for a year. That's awesome. Or something like that. That kind of shit is really appealing to me. That's the kind of stuff that I would love to be doing. Um, or <laughs> another one. I love the Alamo Draft House. Um, I don't, do you know what the Alamo Draft House is? No. So the Alamo Draft House is this chain of of theaters, uh, like movie theaters. But they have like restaurants built in and the seats are big and they've got tables on their seats and so you like can order Enzo food and, in Orlando. uh probably like that yeah <clears throat> but they're a chain and they do um they started as a as a theater that showed like offbeat like second run movies or like old movies or whatever and now they now they're like a sort you know they're not a regular chain of movies but they do first run movies too right so they you know they're right now they're running civil war from captain america and all that stuff but they're but they, so they serve food and beer and wine during the shows. And then like occasionally, like right now on my screen, um, Adam Savage, they just put it, they just opened an Alamo draft house in San Francisco, which is where Adam Savage lives. And so Adam Savage had the guy, they, they did a showing of district nine, which is a cool sci-fi show. Sci-fi. Have you seen district nine? By the I way? I think so. It's super good. I definitely have heard of it and I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the aliens are like, they look like bugs. Yeah. And they've already like, they're already here. Yeah. yeah, and exactly. blah, blah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Um, I remember enjoying it pretty well. Super good movie. Yeah. Um, so he got the director of that film to come to the, uh, the Alamo draft house in San Francisco. And so they did a viewing of the, of the film and then Adam Savage and the director sat down and did like an interview for 45 or 50 That's minutes awesome. or whatever. Um, super awesome because he recorded it and they put it online. So I can, I'm able to like watch and listen to it. But like that stuff is so cool to me. And I have friends who are like filmmakers and right. So that, that's kind of thing is super fucking awesome to me. Do you remember that? I, that Leannis and I were going to open one of those called the cinnamon drop house. Yeah. I didn't know what, what the whole concept of that was, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, movie, movie theater, bakery and food and right. Um, beer. And that shit is so fucking cool to me. It's so appealing. I really want to do that. Play kind of on the stuff. word cinema and draft house. Right, right, right. Cinema and draft. I just want to say it's a pretty great idea. Yeah. For a name. Uh, like. I didn't quite catch this the play on words there, but yeah, now it makes sense. Cinema and draft house. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, like I would love to be able to do that. So I looked at the Alamo because Alamo Drafthouse is a franchise now. And they're like, yeah, in order to become a franchise owner, you have to have you personally, like as a person, an individual, not a group. Like we won't accept like groups of investors or whatever. You personally as one investor have to have $3 million in liquid assets and cash and liquid assets. Yeah. And then like you have to, and then that's like the initial, like that's the first bar you got to jump through. And then like you as a group, like they want, like if you, you got to come in with other investors and they got to have like a total of $10 million in capital. And like, it's just like a lot of money. Damn. Like, fuck, that's a shitload. But that would be so cool. Wow. <clears throat> to like run a place like that or have a place like that open, especially oh, yeah. here in Gainesville. Like I it think would, yeah, it would yeah, rock. definitely would be a great idea. But man, that's a fuckload of capital. Yeah, it would mm. almost be cheaper to, to do it like yeah. on the cheap it, on your abso- own. Like absolutely no, is. Not yeah. as a franchise. Well, the other thing that they say is like you've got to have a bunch of years of experience in their field. Sure. Which well, is like hospitality and film and blah, blah, sense. blah. So like opening your own place for a while, totally totally doable and then like changing it and and buying the franchise to to have that sort of name recognition may be the best route for you unless you can build your own name recognition and really right. become a thing but um, i think i still have the the url take really nice i think so oh those yeah. are cheap to keep so might as well yeah might as well so yeah that's that's a thing that i've kind of learned about or am learning about myself now i just need to like buckle down and figure out the money part of it like actually making the money part of it happen i went to book club tonight too that was fun oh yeah yeah how was it it was cool i mean it was a bunch of it was uh two one is this a public open one that you found out about how yeah so uh, meetup.com cool um i started using that as a resource to just like get out there and meet people because i'm been stuck inside for so long doing nothing and not meeting people and whatnot so um, hopefully like hopefully I'll do a couple like you know a few months of this and it'll lead to like a you know some kind of acquaintance job opening thing um, or networking or whatever I don't know sure. there's there's a bunch of reasons to do it but um, so it was uh, I don't know maybe 12 maybe a dozen people um, all women at this point they were like, they were like, I assure you, there are men that are part of this group, but it's probably like a 30, 70 split, like 30% men, maybe 70% women. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Um, one of the leaders of the group, the like organizer on meetup, her name is Alex. Um, she's like super into romance novels. Yeah. And she was kind of like, I, you know, I don't understand this, but she was like, she's, everybody kind of knows that she's into like romance and like that sort of soppy like like genre of novel and film and and video and, right. and whatnot like it's it's fairly she's fairly open about it but then when she was telling it like so the the initial was like you know, the when i first got there it was like introduction like hey what's your name you know what are you reading what do you do um <clears throat> and so we were going around the table and she she mentioned a couple of things that she was reading and then she like right before she passed it to the next person she kind of under her breath said like oh yeah and i'm reading this romance novel it's like she didn't even name the, the the book. She was like, yeah, this romance novel. It's like, they called it like the, I guess the general terminology, like the, the nomenclature is bodice ripper. <laughs> I think I've heard that before. <laughs> you know, these like trashy right. sort of romance novels yeah. or whatever. And she was. Harlequin she, romance. Yeah. She seemed like sort of nice. embarrassed by it. And I was like, 
like everybody seems to know that you are that's like your genre like preferred genre of books so why are you even embarrassed about it like i don't i didn't understand i, I don't can, understand i can understand that's... a little bit there's i mean there's a self-imposed judgment there about the the relative value of the genre maybe compared to other genres i went through a phase where i felt that way about this about science fiction and i got rid of a bunch of my collection this is in my 20s so you know what the hell that i know but um i had an enormous collection of science fiction books and a library that i you know I end up selling or getting rid of or otherwise just like I went through a phase where I was like, yeah, this is for kids. This is what kids read. And, and I, you know, I was trying to trying to figure out how to be a grown up, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I guess from that perspective, I can kind of understand what one thing that might motivate her to present herself that way. But um, there's probably a lot of people that would talk shit or shit about it, too, like. Maybe I just not in think that group. So shitty. I think it's it is. so terrible. It is. It really is terrible to I mean, if somebody's reading something, I don't care what. <laughs> if it's a cereal box, if they're reading something, they're edifying themselves somehow. Uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah, because even if it's at the baseline of exposure to different writing styles, different vocabulary, like there are ways that you can learn from reading things like that. Like or whatever, just read, keep reading. I'm a very big fan of not bashing anybody for for reading whatever they're reading. Yeah, like I'm not a I I'm not king shaming or like book shaming or whatever. In fact, I'm like I'm confused as to why anybody would do that. Like she's reading a book that she likes. Who cares? Yeah. Like who cares if it's trash fiction or if it's like even like base level garbage, right? Like that that everyone agrees like this is bad writing. You should not read this. Who cares? She likes it. Who like fuck you. For like judging. Maybe she doesn't have that sense. Maybe you can ask her next time. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was interesting. Yeah. Just an interesting observation. Well, I mean, even if you look at the 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 slang term trash fiction. It's trash. Like people like even in the name, it's like people think of it as garbage and I don't know. It's a business. People write it's a, that shit. It's People a super read it. lucrative yeah, it's business. Very, very. Yeah, like, arguably, isn't it like one of the most lucrative? I think, yeah, I think so. Like rom- romance is one of the like the genres that like is consistently making money because one, it doesn't. I mean, the the reality is it doesn't take a lot to to make those novels work. Like you don't need really deep characters. You don't like you you have archetypal char- archetypal characters and archetypical settings and like. People are read it to feed a hunger yeah. or to feed something in them. I mean, Anna East Nin wrote erotica for money. She needed money. It's. I mean, it's the same reason that like shit like reality television works so well. Yeah. It's because like, who cares? It's like Ugh. it's it's Ooh, totally I, like I might get judgy about reality TV. It's but it's <laughs> it's pulpy. It's dumb. Like it doesn't take any energy really to yeah. like get through. Who cares? It's entertaining. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's titillating. Right. Exactly. So I don't know. It just it was it was weird to me that somebody would be like, she's like the leader of the book group. Maybe she's been judged before, though. That's that's entirely possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's true, because if you're a fan of romance and you're like in literary communities, that's yeah, people are going to judge you because people are judgy assholes. But I don't know. <laughs> it just felt like, yeah, uh, uh, the- it was it was funny though because I was the only guy there. Um. And so, like, 
you know, that she was like when she introduced herself and, you know, her books or whatever, uh, she said, you know, I'm reading a romance novel or, and, and, you know, she kind of shamed and she tried to pass it on to the next person. I was like, oh, there's no shame. Like I literally said, there's no shame in that. It's all good. If you like that, it's great. And then they like, they joke that we're like, cause you know, being the only guy there, I, I got, there was a few jokes during the, the time we were there. They're like, oh yeah, our next, the next book we're going to read is a romance novel. Ha ha ha. I'm like, I've never read a romance novel. Maybe they're really good. Like maybe I'm missing something that I have no idea about. I've literally never read one. So if that's what we're reading next, all right, fine. I'll read one. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I like that about you. Um, my, uh, one of my, one of my friends, uh, Elizabeth Ardropolis, bourgeois alien on Twitter, freaking hilarious. She tweeted something. Um, people say that, so I'm paraphrasing cause I can't remember the exact wording, but people say that video games make you violent, but we were burning people alive at the stake a hundred years ago for being witches. So maybe humans are just garbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've heard that from a couple of people. Yeah. Um, it's totally true, man. Video games don't make you violent. Video like violent books don't make you violent. No. If, if you have the violence in you, you're going to find a reason to do it. Yeah. Whether you got violent video games or whatever. Like, yeah. That's why I like the, I'm still working my way through the seven habits of highly effective people, which when I picked it up, I thought it was going to be much more business oriented. And I was sort of pleasantly surprised to find it, that there was a lot more depth of character and personal development aspect to it. And it, is very much part of that, you know, own who you are, recognize that you are like you're, you're in the driver's seat. So, you know, whatever anybody else says is not, doesn't have any impact except for what impact you give it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good I book. Like I like that book. Yeah. I tried to read the, he's got a couple of like, I mean, he's, they, he built that into like a franchise basically where he's got like a bunch of books. Well, it met a demand apparently. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's longstanding, super popular and, and he's, he's written a bunch of other books about like, he's got one that's like the seven habits of, of network marketers yeah, and the and seven habits. Like, you got the eighth habit too. I haven't yeah. The eighth yet. habit, which I, I, I didn't, I just didn't read. I couldn't get through it. I was like, Is I, that the legacy thing? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I, I stopped reading it. I don't know. I mean, it's still on the Kindle, so I might pick it up at some point again, but right. I just, I didn't read it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's a good book. And then there's a bunch of books like that where you think like, oh man, this is going to be super businessy. And then it ends up being like stuff that you can use in every aspect. That's what's so fascinating to me. Like, so having been outside of network or marketing industry and only been on the receiving end of whatever you know, invitations I may have received in the past and then diving right into the heart of it, working with, you know, helping a company market themselves. And like, like it's very different from the inside. And it made me realize how very, it's a very charged sort of topic because I think what it does is it, it triggers people. Mm-hmm. I think it triggers people partly because there are unscrupulous and also sometimes very impassioned but ill-trained people out there. And and there is this weird, tricky kind of idea about taking your personal life and professionalizing it and and 
in order to do that with integrity, it has to really be, it has to really be something that you believe in. Yeah. And so what happens is we've, it's created the situation in which there's a lot of charge around just the idea. Like if you, the, even the phrase can be very charged and, and yet what I'm seeing, uh, you know, having been now on the inside of it is, oh, there's her, there's her flipping magic pillow. Yeah. Dang it. I was like, where is it gone? Sorry, tangent. I just noticed something in the office that's been missing from the freezer for weeks and weeks. Anyway, um, working now from the in from the inside and seeing what, at least with this company, I don't know about other companies, but um, but that there is so much um, attention and time paid to the integrity of the of the mission and the culture and, you know, making sure things are kind of in line there. And, and yeah, they're business people. Yeah. So there is a business to run, but I love the idea that, that it's kind of one way to redefine business too. Like, you know, there's a lot of big corporations out there doing really horrible, unethical things in the name of good business yeah. Like, why shouldn't we have a business that is mindful and ethical and humanitarian and also profitable? Right. I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of small business training that's focused on the sort of integrity and personal de- like entrepreneurial personal development. Um, but I think once you get to sort of I feel like once a corporation reaches a certain level, some of that gets lost. Um, mostly because there's like one person who's in charge or one like CEO who's up at the top and like everybody else is just employees. Um, whereas like there are some small businesses here, like there's a there's a moving company in town called Two College Brothers and they do um, they do personal train their personal development training for every employee. Like they have like um, like entrepreneurial um, and and business building seminars and like training for all of their employees a couple times a year um, so that, you know, their, their guys come in <clears throat> and by the time they leave, they're better people. They're not just like, you know, they didn't just have a job. So I think that that's, I think that some of that is, is happening throughout the business world, right? Like any, any small business networking group I've gone to, the people who are involved in it are like invested in becoming better people because it makes you better. It makes you a better professional. It makes you a better business person to be a better person. Right. More um, effective and on, on yeah. all levels, personal and professional. Right. Exactly. So I think there is, there is an aspect of that. And, you know, you look at another thing the guy in, in the 10X rule book talks about, and this is something I think is well known is like, you know, top level, like, you know, that sort of five to one, one to 5% of the population, you know, that, that have super ridiculous incomes. They're reading 50 to 60 books a year. Whereas the bottom tier reads maybe a book a year. So like correlation is in causation, but that's a pretty strong correlation, right? Right that the top tier of people is reading a shitload of books 
and the bottom tier of people is reading nothing. Well, there is that idea that the the idea of exposure and that's sort of endemic to the to the industry too. Like, if you want a better life, you got to start hanging around better people. Yeah, you got to start putting better input into you know right exactly or whatever. yeah yeah what you put in is 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 definitely correlated with what you put out <clears throat> um and so you know reading a bunch of books and and doing the kind of things that are that are enabling you to be a better person rather than s- sitting in squalor and and bitching about your life like in the in the audiobook version of the 10x rule he has a chapter called don't be a bitch Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> and it's about, you know, like don't sit in. And here I was worried about some of the language we were using, but all right. We're explicit already. Yeah. Um, he didn't put it in the printed version, or at least he says at the end of the audio version that he, that chapter isn't in the printed version. I don't know. Oh, if it's I wonder. Um, I mean, I'd have to pick up the book and find out, but right. um, the chapter isn't actually called don't be a bitch. It's called something else. But like he, okay. he opens up, he opens up the chapter saying like, I would have called this chapter. Don't be a bitch, except my editor didn't let me do it or whatever. Right. <laughs> nice. Nice little work around there. Um, Author dude. So basically it's like, you know, you, you have a choice in your life. You can sit and, and bitch about all the things that are, that are happening to you. Or you can realize that like, you have agency in your life. Like, so in, in, in his book, he taught, he's, he, he encourages people to take responsibility for everything that happens. Right. So if you're, if the power goes out in your house because of a hurricane, that's still your fault because you could have a generator, right? That's that you, you take responsibility for that. Or at least how you can deal with it. From then on, go get a generator or right. don't bitch about the power being out. Just take it. Exactly. Because that's what happened. Right. Everything is everything. You take responsibility for everything and then you learn from everything as well. Right. Um, so enough. don't bitch about it. Just don't be a bitch. Just do it. Just figure it out and, and move through it. Um, I don't remember what the point is. Oh, right. That that like the that stratification, right. The 99 versus the 1%. And, and there are definitely some systematic problems. Um, okay. and I'm not going to, I'm not even going to like, there are social justice problems. Right. Um, and the system, influencing the system that. absolutely is built to screw people. Um, but there is a difference between those who see that system and give up because the system is rigged and the people who say, I'm going to work harder. Yeah, the system is rigged, so these are the things I need to do in order to 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 work that rigging in my favor. Yeah, or bypass it or like And I that's d- not to say that it's easy at all, not no, at all, but And 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 not but there always is a path possible, forward. not always possible either like I think that's when I kind of resort to the Viktor Frankl, you know, what he learned in the concentration camps, because you want to talk about a rigged system. Right. You know, having, you know, going through the Holocaust. Um, this is the, the, uh, and I haven't read, you know, his, his biography or whatever, any, anything. This is just what I have been exposed to in the, the Stephen Covey book. Um, what he realized is being in that experience is that he still, 
could be in possession of himself and his reactions to, oh, what, yeah. was, to what was happening. And that, that ultimately was his freedom. Like it didn't prevent the atrocities from happening to him, but it meant he was able to retain himself in the midst of all that in a way that was extraordinary and revealed like, so, so that, that I think the main teaching that came out of that is that there is a space, a synapse between action and reaction between, you know, event and response that is defining, like it defines yeah. who we are. And if you don't, if you, if you don't realize that's there, you're going to be, you're going to feel like a victim. You're going to be a victim of your own lack of, like exercising your choices about who you are in any given moment. And I am always been a big proponent of that, not, you know, of that, like, it's, it's hard because how do you, I mean, also I'm a privileged person. So, you know, I have had the luxury of being able to have this kind of conversation with myself and this kind of line of thinking as retaining the choice about who you are, even in the face of what's happening to you. But I think, um, but I, but I still think it's true. Like, like, and you can't argue with Victor Frankl's experience. Really. Yeah. I, and you I know? think, you know, there, are, <laughs> we'll have to end the podcast on this. Okay. Um, on this bit of conversation, but you know, the, the idea of victimhood is, is an interesting one to me because life is an unpredictable bitch sometimes, right? There's stuff that happens to you that really isn't your fault, right? You don't have any control over the weather. You do have some control. You know, there are some aspects of control of, of your preparedness for weather situations. Yeah, but right? chaos. It's all it's chaos. It's the weather's yeah. a great example of chaos. But you like you can't control it. You can't control it. There are, and you can't control other people's thoughts and actions, right? So you can't control the random acts of violence that happen in the world. But you absolutely have control over how you react to that and how you experience that and, and what you're what you choose to do with the shit that life deals you sometimes. <clears throat> and I think that that's important. I mean, they talk about it in the 10x rule, too, right? If you or he does, um, if, if you want to be successful, you have to stop thinking like a victim. Like you have to just stop that shit altogether. Yeah. You are you are not out of control. Life is not dealing you a shit hand, right? Life's just dealing you the hand that it's dealing you. And you get to choose to do with that what you choose to do with it, regardless of how shitty that stuff is, right? So I think of some great examples in my life um, of friends in my life more than myself. I mean, there's some times where I've, I've fallen down on this, but... Um, but our friend Zach has the worst luck. Him and his family, seriously, it, when it rains for them, it fucking pours. And it rains a lot for them. Yeah. They get shit happen to them all the time. And yet they constantly just persevere. And they're like, you know, that sucks. It's shitty. But like, here we are. And they're still like very successful. Yeah. And he's doing great stuff. He's a costume designer here in town. And he's he's working his ass off and really doing great shit and they're and they seem just like happy yeah they're like super happy, happy people great, yeah super happy people despite all the crazy sh like, all the reasons that they could possibly like if they were if they if they were if they had a victim mentality or they're yeah if they were lesser people 
if they were lesser people, yeah, exactly. If they were, well, lesser people sounds. It's, it is poor. a little. I bad. know. I, like if they were, if they were it, different, it was coming out of my mouth. I was realizing that it sounded kind of judgy, but yeah, if they were in, different people, if, if they reacted, if their consciousness was less evolved, right? If they had the victim mentality, then they it, they would be completely destitute. I mean, I, and people on the outside would think they had every justification to be. To, right to be that way and yet and yet they don't it's not like, they're, they're super inspiring and it's great i yeah, love them yeah they're um, great i, I want to hang out with them more often but like that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that they're that these guys are talking about when they talk about this sort of victim and, and action reaction you know action response yeah you are delay. more than what happens to you exactly like if you are only what happens to you then these guys would be destitute and dead right and their child would be like a horrible wreck of a person, but they're none of that stuff is true. Yeah. They're just like, they're super yeah. stellar, bright, light. Yeah. So good heartfelt people, good people. That's going to conclude the podcast. I think the end. Boop, boop, boop. No, so for you.